1: The problem is, is that we often only think about efforts to connect in a big way. So we think about planning a party for somebody, buying them a gift, making an, a date night, all of these things, and those things are really wonderful, but they actually will not nourish a relationship in the long term if they're the only thing. And so what research has found from the Gottman Institute, is that when couples are making a lot of bits for connection, and when they're also responding to those bits for connection, they're more likely to be happy and healthy as a couple over the long term.
0: It's Ash here, and it is another week on the U-Turn podcast with, of course, my favorite category, the love category, and I thought I would bring Elizabeth Earnshaw onto the show. She's a couples therapist on a mission to help people have relational wellness, which is something that this world super needs, I feel like, and uh, her content that's done really, really well. I mean, she has a lot of stuff on Instagram that I've loved following, but is around simple ways to connect with your partner is what we wanted to talk about today. I want to ask her about what healthy relationships look like, compromise, money, all of those kind of hot topics. And you know, Liz, she practices in Philly with couples all over the world, and I'm just so excited that you're here, Liz. Thank you so much for making the time.
1: Thank you for having me and as you know, I'm really excited to be here.
0: Yeah, thank you. I I feel like um, we live in such a busy world where, you know, it's like back-to-back calls when you're an entrepreneur or whatever have you and I find these podcast episodes like really fill my cup. So I'm excited for you to share with everybody everything you know and also curious to ask you like what got you into couples therapy?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. So when I was figuring out my life like so many of us do in our younger 20s. I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I knew I wanted to help people, but really I felt like there were so many options for that. I got overwhelmed. I went to school to be a teacher. I wasn't great at it. And I I finished the program, I graduated, I had a bachelor's degree, um, and I just I knew I wasn't going to be effective in a classroom, so I was really trying to think what could I do that would be helpful, that has to do with engaging with people, and I was driving down the highway, and I saw a billboard for a couples therapy program, and I was like, on a whim,
0: oh, I'm going to do that, and I went home, (laughs) and I applied, (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. You know what, though? I feel like that, um, you know, for me as a career coach, it's like there's some moments. um, The other day, I just released my new speaking reel, and I have a friend who's just been starting her speaking career, and for me, it's been a decade, and I'm only recently starting to get really good opportunities, like, you know, paid as a speaker, and it's so interesting because she wrote on the, when I posted it on Facebook and said, I'm so excited about this, she said something about this made me cry. And it kind of makes me think about, you know, however you related to that moment where you were by the billboard. I think there's some moments where what somebody else is up to or something we see our soul like knows it's for us. And it looks like sometimes it's a rash decision, but other times when you're really connected, it's like you see something and you're like, oh, I'm doing that. And it is that easy because it's just a recognition of the truth right in that moment, you know?
1: yes and it it was and it was so interesting for months i had been thinking maybe i'll go to law school maybe i'll go get this graduate degree maybe i'll move to china for a year i mean i had all of these thoughts about like what can i do and i took action on none of them and i researched them i thought about them i have a lot of lawyers in my family it would have made a ton of sense but that moment with the billboard changed my life (laughs) 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 and I, I went home and I completed the application like within a couple hours, which I had done nothing for the other stuff. I submitted my essay. I signed up for the test I had to take. Um, and I just went for it for some reason it felt right. And I think that sometimes, like you were saying, there are things we do impulsively, but there's these other moments where we connect with it yeah. on a really kind of subconscious level. You know, in my life, I had um, I had experiences growing up, like really valuing relationships, but not always being around the most healthy relationships.
0: Yeah, totally.
1: And. I'm
0: think i sure you're not alone on that one.
1: Yeah, and I just think that that moment was a connection of everything that mattered to me in terms of values, but also like internally mattered to me is like, I'm going to work through my own stuff through this too. And I wasn't conscious of that, um, but it was, I think, part of it. So that's kind of a funny way that I ended up being a couples therapist. And I've never looked back, I never Mm. felt the way I felt in education where I felt like this isn't right, but I'll force it. Mm -hmm. Just every day since then, this has been something that's exciting to me and feels good and it's so cliche, but I truly don't feel like I even work.
0: Yeah, um, I get because that. I
1: just really love it.
0: Mm, yeah, it's. I know that. I know a lot of you listening. You hear me talk about life purpose, and I could go on forever about that kind of stuff. But what I will say before we get into all this love information is that I think your body really. I think you know. I've said before, the truth isn't always something you know. It's something that you recognize or it's not something you learn. So I think sometimes people think they're going to learn what they want, but usually they recognize what they want. It was already inside of them. You know what I mean? It's just a recognition. And so for me with my purpose and and your purpose moves, you know, like it grows, it evolves. And I don't, you know, I don't know. I think about like a pond that isn't moving, it's like, you've got, like, tadpoles, and, like, weird animals, and, like, it's no good, you know, like, your purpose is the same thing, it needs to move, you know, like, And um, it's so beautiful when I hear somebody have that kind of recognition because I think that's available in everybody, but not everybody does whatever you must have somehow done with yourself, Liz, to be able to say, oh, that, that to me is a lot of personal development sometimes of like removing so many limitations so that you can suddenly see what's the truth for you, you know?
1: Yeah, I think one thing that has always been something that I'm really grateful for and also sometimes causes me problems is that I'm fairly risk averse. And because of that, when something feels right to me, I do it, like I I feel the fear, I feel the nerves, but that, that feeling of this connects with me well always overcomes those feelings of fear and I think that sometimes we all need to give ourselves permission to like be afraid to do something and to do it anyway because of the fact that it connects with us in a really big way
0: yeah yeah it's you know, it's, it's so interesting. I think it all comes down to perspective and, you know, your purpose and your career is one vehicle to grow. And I know with you, your arena is about relationships and and what a place it is for people to grow. And, you know, the way that you describe this concept of connecting with your partner, you said bids for connection. So Mm -hmm. can, can you tell us a little bit about what is a bid for connection and what does a healthy relationship even look like on a completely separate note? Yes. I will talk about both of those things. Yes. I'm like having a buffet (laughs) over here, like I'm feasting on this.
1: (laughs) So the concept of bids for connection is it really, it's one of those concepts that is fairly simple, but that we often don't notice in our lives. But then once you see it, you can't unsee it. and. It can totally change the way that you not only interact with romantic partners, but the way that you interact with the world. Mm. Essentially all day long, people are making hundreds of attempts to connect with other people and they're often very small. So for example, when you go into your Starbucks and the barista makes a little joke, that's a bid for connection. Mm. or when you are sitting with your partner on the couch and they say, wow, it's so beautiful outside today. That's a bit for connection. So there are hundreds of moments like that all day with strangers, with family members, with friends, with partners in which we're trying to connect with other people. Mm. The problem is, is that we often only think about efforts to connect in a big way. So we think about planning a party for somebody, buying them a gift, making a a date night, all of these things. And those things are really wonderful, but they actually will not nourish a relationship in the long term if they're the only thing. And so what research has found um, from the Gottman Institute is that when couples are making a lot of bids for connection and when they're also responding to those bids for connection, they're more likely to be happy and healthy as a couple over the long term. Mm. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah. I guess it comes back down to your ability to even recognize when there's been a bid for connection, which comes down to being pretty grounded and present to notice when you're when somebody's even talking to you.
1: Absolutely. And I, I think that most people are fairly capable of recognizing it. And it's again, one of those things where once you know the concept, you can really improve in the way that you respond to bids and the way that you make them. But before you know the concept, you don't even realize that it exists or how important it is. And so just from listening to this podcast right now, you're already going to start shifting the way that you see other people's interactions with you. Mm -hmm. And you'll start to notice that really all day long, there are a lot of times that people are trying to connect with you. Mm. Even this morning, you know, I was running into um, my Starbucks and I had my son and we had our hands full and somebody like ran to the door ahead of me and they opened it and they kind of made this like face where they were saying, I get it. I was there before you look like you're really overwhelmed. In that moment, that person was making a bid to connect with me. Mm. and. I could have done one of three things. I could have turned towards it, turned away from it, or turned against it. So if I turned against it, I might have said, I don't need you to hold the door. Why are you doing that? Or I could have turned away from it and just walked through the door and pretended like I didn't notice their attempt to connect with me. Or I can turn towards it. And in doing that, I might just say, thank you so much. I really appreciate that and smile back. And so these interactions are minuscule in this, in, you know, the amount of time that they take, but they're so incredibly important in terms of how they make people
0: feel. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it kind of makes me think about some of my relationships or like sometimes if we're on a study abroad or the freshman year of college, it's like, um, what real connection is you know and when i think about my preference like would i rather connect with one one big conversation that feels so deep and understanding for me every once in a while or would i rather be consistently connecting on the small things it's like it's a no-brainer why people feel more connected when they're responding to these smaller bids and on that note i want to ask just a little bit more like I know a lot of people, and even in my case, I was in a toxic relationship uh, back in 2016 after I called off my wedding. I was with a guy for five years, super nice guy, like, and I've only been with I mean, my boyfriend in high school for five years, we won Cutest Couple, and he was like the head of the Boy Scouts, literally. So I'd never dated a guy or been in something toxic, and it has a way of consuming you. And since then, I'm so grateful that I've gotten out of that. I've found such a good, healthy, you know, the right partnership for me. But in the meantime, I know a lot of people listening right now may not even realize that they're in an unhealthy relationship and they may not even know what a healthy relationship looks like. So do you have like some indicators, um, just as we're about to get into these ways to connect with your partner, of what a healthy relationship looks like and what an unhealthy relationship contrasts as?
1: Absolutely. So in John Gottman's research and for anybody listening, I really suggest that you you can Google it or you can buy one of his books because it's really life-changing when it comes to relationships. But he found that there are, are certain things that make people the masters of relationships. And then there are certain things that happen in couples that he calls the disasters. And so. Really what he's saying is there are certain things that make a relationship healthy and certain things that make a relationship unhealthy. And the things that make a relationship healthy are things like trust and commitment. So we can't have a really healthy relationship if we don't feel safe that the other person is committed to us in a way that we understand. Commitment can look different. Right? So you get to decide what that looks like in your relationship, but you have to believe it exists. And you also have to have trust because if you don't have those two things, then you're never going to be fully in the relationship and you're never going to feel fully safe. There's always a part of you that's going to think this relationship could end any day, or I can't be vulnerable with this person because I don't trust what they're going to do with it. And so if you notice that there's an issue in your relationship around, trusting the other person, or you start to feel like the commitment isn't really there, that one or both of you has one foot out the door, it probably means that your relationship has gotten to a place that isn't totally healthy. And the question then is, are there things that you can do to improve it? And usually when those two things have become unhealthy, it's because there's these other things that have been brewing for a while. And those things are um, actually feeling like you know the other person, which we call having a love map. So a love map means that you understand what your your partner's life is like in the day to day, that you're um, aware of what they're thoughts are, their goals are, their, their overall feeling in life is, and that you also feel known by them. Mm. In a healthy relationship, we also have something that's called turning towards, which has to go, that goes along with those bids for connection. So in healthy relationships, people bid for connection very frequently. All day long they're saying, look at this, let me tell you about this, give me a hug. And the other person is turning towards that bid and connecting with them. Mm. When a relationship has gotten unhealthy, what starts to happen is that people are making fewer bids. So they're not asking someone to come look at the magazine with them. They're not saying, let's watch a TV show together. What they're doing instead is they're turning away from bids, Mm -hmm. which means that when somebody tries to connect, they ignore it, or they're turning against it, which means that the person tries to connect and they shut it down. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of ways that they might do that. Mm -hmm. So that's a second sign that your relationship might be heading in an unhealthy direction. Do those two things make sense so
0: far. Yeah, definitely. And I, when I think about, um, bids to connect and like the decrease in that and just the concept of safety, it feels like somebody who isn't making bids to connect. It's almost like they're checked out or they're not as engaged in the relationship. So what's happening? Um, I know that there's attachment styles and those of you who are listening, we have a whole episode on that with Nora DeKaiser, but just asking you like, what What are some of the indicators before somebody gets so checked out, you know, that they are no longer making bids to connect?
1: Yeah. So a couple indicators are if they've been shut down for a while, they're going to stop making bids. So if you notice that your partner is starting to make fewer bids for connection, it's really important that you check in with them and you say, hey, has something happened? Did you feel like I was turning away from you or turning against you? Because one of the biggest reasons that people stop making bids is because the bid wasn't received well. And often it wasn't the intention of the other person to do that. They just weren't even recognizing that there was an attempt to connect there. So you can check in with each other and say, hey, what's going on? Like you used to ask me to do stuff with you a lot and now you're not doing it. Or you used to tell me about your day and now you're not doing it. And that really gives them an opportunity to say, it seemed like when I told you about things in the past, you weren't interested and then you can kind of problem solve around like, well, what can I do to make you feel more connected to me?
0: Okay. And let's talk about one of the hard topics before we get into connecting, because I know this one could be really disconnecting is the idea of compromise and money. Like I know a lot of couples feel scared about money. Um, For example, I have some friends who are getting married and they are dealing with prenups and there's like really painful conversations around money and if it doesn't work out and how to navigate that. Um, they're buying homes together in my case I'm with the most financially responsible guy I've ever met and I'm coming off of having paid off crazy debt and finally creating my own patterns and habits that are serving me with money And um, so yeah just curious like, what's your feedback around couples and how every couple in the same way that couples have different sexual desire and that's a constant topic I hear from different love experts I hear a lot about money issues too
1: Yes, finances are one of the biggest um, challenges for couples to face. And the reason is, is because it's often about so much more than just money. When we think about relationships and the issues in relationships, there's two types. One type of issue is what we call a solvable problem. And solvable problems have clear-cut solutions. And you'll know that you're facing solvable problems because it'll be fairly easy to talk about them. You'll come up with a solution over compromise and you'll feel like both of you are having influence over the situation. Mm-hmm. For some people, solvable finances are a solvable problem. They can sit down, they can say, we need to save this much money. What do we do? Both people give their two cents. That wasn't meant to be a pun, but it was. <laughs> um, I saw what you did there. <laughs> Very good, Liz. <laughs> um, they, they give their two cents and then they kind of come up with a solution and they stick to it. If you find that when you're talking about finances, you either never get to the end of the conversation, you never find solutions, um, you either avoid it or it turns into major conflict, or you come up with solutions and they don't stick, it means that there's an underlying issue that's not really being resolved. And usually those underlying issues come from something that we call a perpetual problem. And a perpetual problem is an issue that a couple faces that doesn't have an easy solution because it's based out of personality differences or value differences. And That is when it's really, really difficult to talk about finances because if something is based in a value difference or a difference in goals or dreams and you're trying to come up with an easy solution without really understanding the other person's desires, you're just going to keep coming up with solutions that don't stick.
0: Hey U-Turners, so sorry for the quick interruption, but I want to make sure you know that this episode has been brought to you by the Career Clarity Lab the online course to help you find your career purpose in the workforce and upgrade your confidence. So if you're ready to unlock the best career path for you and you'd like to try a free version of our Clarity course, just head on over to u-turnpodcast.com slash Clarity. That's Y-O-U-T-U-R-N com slash Clarity. Now let's get back to this week's episode. Yeah. Just talk to me about, I know that there's, you mentioned before we started recording, there's three simple ways to connect with your partner. The first one's validating, the second one's agreeing, and the third one is about being curious. So validating, agreeing, and being curious. And I know that there's so much to validating someone. Can you tell us a little bit about how that would look?
1: Yes, so validating someone means that you're willing to hear that what they're saying is real to them. A lot of times when people share things with us, we think that our response needs to be about agreeing with them or disagreeing with them, but usually validating is a really easy way to connect with someone regardless of if you agree or disagree or have had the same experience. The way that that can look in terms of bids for connection is that a, a couple is walking down the street and somebody says, Wow, isn't that house beautiful? And if the partner wants to turn towards them, they don't even have to agree that it's beautiful, but they can validate it by saying, That totally looks like a house that you would find beautiful. I can see that. Or they can validate it by saying, That is a really big house, what do you like about it? So it's not necessarily that when we're trying to connect with people, we have to respond by agreeing. We have to respond by validating that their perception is real to them. And that is a huge shift that you can make um, that is the opposite of turning against the person. Because Mm -hmm. a lot of times somebody says, isn't that a beautiful house? And the other person says, I don't like it. Mm. Or they say, we could never afford that. Or they keep looking at their phone and they completely turn away from the bid. And so being able to just hear that bid and to be validating of it is a huge thing that you can do in terms of everyday connection in your relationship.
0: Mm, Okay. And can you give an example of what it looks like in a conversation when somebody is not validating? So if there's a bid for connection or a way to connect and it's validation, what does it look like when that's not happening?
1: Yeah, so it either looks like turning away or turning against. And you'll hear those three terms from me a lot turning towards, turning away, turning against. Validating is a way you turn towards. Mm. If someone doesn't validate, a turning against response. So let's say that you and I are talking about the weather and you say, This is my favorite kind of day. A turning towards validating response is, What do you, or yeah, that makes sense to me. I could see why you like that. A turning against response would be something that's not validating. So it would be something like, "What is? what do you like about this day? This day is gross. Or that doesn't make any sense to me. Or you don't like these kinds of days. You've never liked them before. So it's really telling them that what they're saying is inaccurate. And it's
0: not taking their perception and their experience at face value. And When it comes to, I know actually validation has been a topic in my relationship because my boyfriend, he's like um, a very, um, he and I both are two people that have a lot of thoughts going on. Which is why we love each other. Like, he has so many different thoughts to share with me. I have so many different thoughts to share with him. And sometimes one of us will just be on to the next thought, you know? And so I might say something like look at my new dress or what did you think of how I did at my speech today? You know, and he'll be like, hey, by the way. And you know, and and something will get missed. And it's so interesting for anybody listening because I think when you're not validated, you can feel it in your body. You can feel yourself shut down. You can feel yourself, um, like you, you, your feelings get hurt. You know, it's like a tiny little fracture Mm -hmm. or a big one. Absolutely. You know,
1: and what you're describing is the process of people, um, losing connection, right? Because your feelings get hurt. And then you decide I'm not going to, I'm going to start keeping this to myself. I'm not going to share, and then you stop sharing, and then the other person has fewer opportunities to turn towards, and then connection really starts to deplete over time, um, and that's that's how that process starts.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. God, I mean, I'm listening to you, and I'm feeling so much compassion for so many people who have gone through the years of marriage. Like, even though it's a beautiful thing, it's also like I imagine there's so much so many times where the connection felt lost, you know, like I know a lot of couples fall in love over and over again throughout their lives. Maybe they fall out, they fall back in. Um, So just really profound to think about like how easy it is to not validate each other, how easy it is to turn inward, how easy it is to check out a little bit.
1: Absolutely. And I think that this is one of the most pivotal things that you can actively um, change without doing a lot of work. So sometimes, like the attachment style stuff, that that takes like some work, right? You have to um, you have to process through things. You might need to go to therapy. There's there's some time that it takes to shift some of that. But learning to actively respond to bids and make bids can make significant changes in the connection in your relationship. And if you feel like there's not good connection in your relationship, like you said, if you're at that point where you say, what happened? We used to be so connected and now we're not you're going to want to look at, well, how often have I tried to connect with this person and they've turned against me and rejected the connection or they've just ignored it. Mm -hmm. And it's likely that you're going to have a long list. You're going to say that time that I tried to include them in, in my friend's birthday party, the time that I asked them to come sit with me and watch a movie, the time that I was trying to tell them about my colleagues. And when that Happens over and over and over again. There is so much heartbreak in it, but it's very slow. And eventually you just decide this person isn't really my friend, so I'm not going to tell them things anymore.
0: Yeah, it's like this slow process of shutting down. And I also kind of want to ask you, and I don't know how to even answer this question, but I see a lot of couples who are (laughs) in that kind of for lack of a more fun term, advanced stage of, of withdrawing from each other where it's like the validation wasn't there, the bids c- to connect were not met and one person in the couple or the other are just kind of checked out and they're both kind of coexisting. Um, do you think that there's just a large percent of the population who's just doing that or do you think eventually that explodes? For anybody listening right now that's kind of no- noticing that that's kind of them.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that this is something that happens for most people. Mm. And it's because we are really hyper-focused on the big things,
0: Mm. if
1: Mm. that makes sense.
0: Yeah. I guess I'm just wondering, like, I think my question was more like, do you think that these sorts of relationships just stay the status quo or do these people eventually tend to break up if they're not connecting Mm. and they're kind of coexisting? Because I know the divorce rate is around whatever, 50% or whatever they say, the people that say the things. Yes. Um, But I also know that 10 to 15% of couples get a separation and never file for divorce. So Mm. we're left with about 35% of marriages who are together. And I guess I'm wondering, like, of those people, are they happy? Do you know what I mean? Like, what are your thoughts on all that kind of a thing?
1: Yeah, so um, research shows that couples that turn away from each other 80% of the time are likely to get divorced.
0: Okay, that's helpful, Um, interesting. So
1: when couples are only turning towards each other 30% of the time, there is a really high likelihood that their relationship will end. Mm. On the flip side, the good news is You only have to turn towards your partner 80% of the time to keep your relationship healthy. So you can miss bids. You know, out of 10 bids, you can miss a few of them. You can have bad weeks, you can have bad days, you can have times where you're in your own head. And that's totally fine, but you want to have the goal be that you're responding to most of the bids. And couples that respond to each other's bids and make a lot of bids are more likely to stay together over the long term, Mm -hmm. whereas couples that are frequently turning against or away are more likely to break up. And the one that causes relationships to break up the most is turning away, which is sometimes surprising to people. Mm. So even though turning against can sometimes be mean or rejecting, there's at least some energy left in the relationship so people can fight it out or they're still at least kind of talking. Mm. When people turn away, which looks like you making a bid and then they stay on their cell phone and don't even respond. Yes, or I see you that with friends bid. all the
0: time. Tell me about that yes. one.
1: Yes, and I mean, you probably see it with strangers too. You know, you try to be friendly and hold the door for somebody and they like, Barrel through and act like they didn't even see me. Oh you. my gosh, that's I'm the worst. Is. That's the
0: that's the only area where my personal development has yet to leak in. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, you're welcome. You know. <laughs> yes. So you know,
1: we we do it all the time where we're like trying to make connect like bids, and then people continue to look at their phone. They change the channel. They change the subject, and they start talking about themselves. They start doing an activity mid conversation, like washing the dishes or something while you're trying to talk to them. Um, And, and those things have so little energy between the two people that they really start to break down the relationship after a while because nothing's happening. The ball gets passed and it just gets dropped. Um, And so if you're trying to work on this and you just want to start small, the place you want to start is, how do I make sure I'm putting my cell phone down? How do I make sure I'm making eye contact? How do I make sure that I'm not being so dismissive of somebody that I just start an activity mid conversation?
0: Okay, this is helpful. And you know, it's, it's mind blowing because I'm listening to you and you gave a couple examples that I'm like, oh, I'm seeing this actively in my life. I, I know a couple that at least 50% of the time, nobody responds to a bid for a connection. And, I'm, and the per- both of them are so miserable. And I'm just, that's why I was so excited to hear the statistics from you because, I mean, nobody can ever dwindle themselves down to a statistic. But if you're listening to this show right now and you're identifying whether it's toxic habits or, you know, you and your partner are checked out or you're not responding to bids for connecting, like, it's good to know, like, hey, look, 80% of this doesn't work out. So you might as well either fix it or get out.
1: Yes. Absolutely, Not to be like and a
0: drill sergeant, but you know, that's no, how it feels. I mean,
1: but it's, it's so true. And it's one of those things where it's like, it really has an impact. So if you're unhappy, then it's so important that you talk about this and you change it because the alternative is that the relationship either just fizzles out over time or there is some big blow up that ends up ending it. And it's mostly due to resentment from failed bids to connect.
0: Oh God, this is so everything. Okay, so validating, I wanna share with you and, and if you could also share, Liz, for everybody listening, what it sounds like. To me, validating sounds like, um, I could see how you would feel that way or mm-hmm. um, that makes sense to me. Even if you think differently, I can see where you're coming from. Uh, what are there some other phrases, Liz, that you think are kind of indicators that somebody is validating somebody else?
1: Yeah, those are great. Also just talking about it in terms of that person. Mm -hmm. So you can say things like, you know, they say, isn't the shirt beautiful? Yeah, that shirt totally reminds me of you, right? So you don't have to say that you like it. Being able to,
0: it's like the ugliest shirt ever. You're like, that reminds me of you. Yeah. And you want (laughs) to validation. Yeah,
1: You want to watch tone of voice. I mean, there's a way that you can say validating things and not be validating. Right. (laughs) Totally. Yeah. That really looks like something you would wear. Or you can say, yes, that makes so much sense to me. You love pink houses. Of course you like that house. Uh Um, so, And sometimes those things can be really connective because you're showing not only that you're giving a response like, yeah, that makes sense, but that you know this person and you know why it makes sense for them. So even um, using that, that start of the sentence, that makes sense to me, and then ending it with because is an extra step you can go. So that makes a lot of sense to me because... I remember you telling me how much your mom loved Victorian houses. So it makes sense to me that you like them. Um, Yes, I totally see why you want to wear that dress. That makes sense to me because last week you showed me a picture of your favorite actress in it. So adding that because to the end of it is like bonus points to validation.
0: Yeah, okay. That makes sense. Great. Great. Um, I'm validating your validation, Liz. <laughs> yeah, thank you. <laughs> um, so, number two so, anybody who's listening, you're taking notes. I know a lot of you do. Um, so, behind validating, we will, or after validating, we get agreeing as another tool to connect with your partner. So, what does agreeing mean? Because I'm sure everybody who's listening to us talk about validating and saying, you don't necessarily have to agree. You know what I mean? Um, what does agreeing look like?
1: Yeah, so agreeing looks exactly like it sounds. And it's just agreeing with what the person says. And that could be a five-second interaction, or it could be um, a longer conversation. So someone says it's beautiful outside. If you also think it's beautiful outside, sometimes people are just quiet. And so that seems like a turn away. But instead, just agree with them. You know, sometimes we think when we agree with people, we don't have to say anything. So if you tell me it's a beautiful day and I agree, I might just like, nod my head and stay in my phone. But the other option is to say, yeah, I know it's, it's gorgeous outside. And just those little moments of agreement helps the other person to know we're on the same team. Like we like some of the same things and it also reminds them that you heard
0: them. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I guess you can't agree on everything. So it's all about just agreeing on the things you want to, or making a point to do it. Is that what you would say?
1: Yeah. So when you don't agree, you can validate
0: Ah, I see what's happening here. Okay.
1: Yeah. So it's it's okay. And a lot of people will say, yeah, but what if I don't agree with what they're saying? That's okay. Like, actually, that's what makes the world go round. We all have difference of, differences of opinions. Disagreeing with someone is different than rejecting their bid for affection mm. or a connection. So somebody could say to you, I think it would be a great idea if we started saving money in a 401k and you might totally disagree. In that moment though, they were trying to connect with you. Your job in that moment is not to disagree. Your job in that moment is just to connect. So if you agree with them, you can say, yeah, babe, I think that's a great idea. If you disagree with them, you can say it totally makes sense to me because I know you've been researching what we do with our money. So it makes sense you're bringing that up right now. Then at that moment or at another another time, you can say, I'd love for us to talk about it a little bit because I don't have the same exact thoughts as you. So let's sit down and talk. But validating is a great way to let somebody know that you've accepted their attempt to connect with you, even if you disagree with them.
0: Okay. So if you don't agree, validate. You don't appreciate, you validate.
1: (laughs) Exactly. You just tell them that what they're saying is true for them.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay. And then as far as the third step, you talk about being curious and I love this because I think that this is just the juice of life is curiosity, but that comes from me who identifies as a writer and a creative person. (laughs) But what does curiosity look like as a bid to connect with your partner?
1: Curiosity is the juice of relationships. You will not have successful relationships if you're not curious with each other. And it is so incredibly important in all of your relationships to find ways to really wonder about the other person and to express that because once you start assuming that you know everything they're thinking or feeling, there's a problem. (laughs) You stop getting to know them. So in terms of connection, when somebody tries to connect with you, another way you can be responsive to their attempt to connect is just to be curious. So again, this is another good sidestep to disagreement, right? They say it's a beautiful day, you think it's an ugly day, you don't have to turn against them by saying what's wrong with you. It's a disgusting day. Instead, you can turn towards them and you can say, "Tell me about what you love about it, mm-hmm. or what makes this day so beautiful." And that's kind of a silly example, but there's there's bigger things as well. Like somebody brings up a political um, belief mm-hmm. or opinion. You, and they're trying to turn towards you by sharing it with you and you can totally disagree with them and yet in that initial moment You can accept their attempt to connect by just asking them questions and being
0: curious. It's so interesting because I think a little bit about my friend Brenna, who is like the most likable person that I've ever met and people just want to be around her. And it reminds me of what a mentor said to me once. He said, if you want to be interesting to people, be interested. And he went on to me me about this conversation he had with somebody where he just asked that person a ton of questions and the person ended the conversation with him saying, you're the most interesting person I've met in a while. And he just thought to himself, like, what are you talking about? Like, I've asked you all these questions, you know, but I think that that's what makes people feel connected is when somebody has questions. And um, I love that you're sharing this. And it seems to me like all of these tools, validating, agreeing and being curious are really just tools to connect no matter whether it's your partner or a friend, you know, because I felt really hurt by friends when they don't do one of these three things as well. Mm -hmm. And even professionally, Mm -hmm.
1: these are really important. If you think about any job you have, really a great way to connect with your colleagues or the people that you manage or um, the people that manage you is to respond with one of these three things, especially prior to giving a difference in opinion, right? Mm So somebody says something to you at work and you show curiosity and you really get to understand why that's their perspective it it really connects you to them and it makes them more likely to trust you so Bids for connection, like I mentioned, they happen everywhere. And when we respond to them well, it gives us a lot more wiggle room in our relationships to be imperfect, to have disagreements, all of those types of things, because we truly feel connected.
0: Mm, I love this topic. Um, Liz, I'm sure people are going to want to read more, learn more from you. Where can everybody find you? What do you have going on in your business right now that people can learn from?
1: Yeah, so I am on Instagram at Liz Listens. And I share a lot of relationship tips there. And I have a newsletter where I send out free resources periodically. So if you're interested in that type of thing, you can follow me there. You can sign up for the newsletter. I also offer courses. Um, Right now I have the foundational relationship skills where I talk to individuals and couples essentially about all the things I learned in school and also through my work with couples that make or break relationships. And I distill it for you so that you can apply it to your real lives. You can find that through my Instagram as well. Mm. And I run a group therapy practice called A Better Life in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. I see clients that live anywhere in Pennsylvania, as do my colleagues that work here. And we are all relationship focused. We understand the impact of relationships on our lives. And so we specialize in couples, but also individuals in terms of helping them to build healthier
0: relationships with people.
1: And you can find us there at abetterlifetherapy.com.
0: Wonderful. Thank you so much for being here. This has been a real treat for me.
1: Thank you. It's been really fun to talk to you.
0: Yeah. I'm going to be hyper aware of all of my bids to connect today.
1: (laughs) Yeah, Actually, it's super fun. Make it a goal to just notice everyone that's trying to connect with you as well.
0: Mm, I love that. Thanks again. Hello, hello. Reflecting on the episode with Elizabeth Earnshaw, I loved this concept of bids for connection because I am noticing it so much more ever since this episode. There is so much depth to this idea of really noticing when somebody is trying to make a bid to connect with you and how painful it is. And I think we've all been there where we're trying to connect with somebody, especially if we're in an awkward environment and maybe the person walks by, they're on their phone, they don't even pay attention. And we feel this sense of rejection from just having tried to connect and not even being noticed. And so what I want to invite all of us into right now is the awareness of when other people are trying to connect with you and when you're trying to connect to other people, because I think there is such a power in uh, not only noticing other people's bids to connect, but meeting them. Um, I think it's an incredible way to connect with the environment around you. And when I start to pay attention to my relationship with my boyfriend, his bids to connect look like many different things. They could look at him, look like him trying to show me his phone, trying to show me a funny meme he saw. They could look like um, him waving at me when I'm busy working and I keep staying focused on my computer screen. I've started to notice that. I start to look up and smile and say, hey. Uh, and, and I thought it was really profound that Liz explained that 80% uh, of the time you've got to be meeting those bids unless you want to be that statistic. And of course, we're all different, but I thought it was really profound to look at that statistic and realize that. The marriages that last tend to be the ones that 80% of the bids to connect are met and seen. So um, I want you to just reflect right now. Is there somebody in your life where you have made bids to connect and they're not picking up on those and it happens a little more often? Um, More often than not, that means that that person is maybe not as present as they would like to be or um, as with it for some reason, maybe they have a lot going on, but I would see they're missing your bid to connect first as an invitation for you to get curious, not to make assumptions. So I have a really dear friend and she's always kind of all over the place. She doesn't hear me sometimes when I'm talking to her, like she'll just be on her phone. And uh, just the other day I realized, you know what, I've made so many bids to connect and sometimes I feel rejected. Most of the time I just notice how chaotic she looks like she's feeling, um, but I'm, I'm starting to see this as an opportunity for me to get curious with her and to say, Hey, I'm noticing something. Sometimes I talk to you and you're kind of checked out, like, are you okay? What's going on with you? Um, Because if people are missing your bids to connect and you love them, you want them in your life, then I would say, get curious, ask them what's going on for them, like point out that they're missing your bids. If you feel like they're missing your bids because they're just not somebody who wants to pay attention and really connect deeply as a friend, this is an opportunity for you to reflect on what relationship in your life are you feeling like those bids are being missed. Um, Or alternatively, where are you missing people's bids? Uh, And what does that mean for you? Does it mean that they're just not not somebody that you want in your life? Um, These are all things to be asking yourself. I'm so excited about this episode, this concept. I think there's so much awareness to this concept, and I'm sure that you're going to be noticing a lot. So give us a shout out. She's at Liz Speaks, and I'm at Ashley Stahl. As usual, would love to hear what you learn from the episode, and I'm wishing you a beautiful week.